Hello, and welcome to this edition of Pragmatic Live. Today, we're going to try something a little bit different. Today, we're going to tackle your questions. Questions about all kinds of topics, questions just from listeners like you. And helping us address these questions in our first edition of the Pragmatic Live mailbag is Dave Daniels, Vice President of Customer Success at Pragmatic and also a longtime instructor, and Steve Johnson, one of the founding instructors at Pragmatic and all-around product management guru. Today, Kelly has gathered up all kinds of questions from all kinds of sources, and she is going to pose questions. Take it away, Kelly. How do I explain the value of a product marketing manager? Dave, that would be yours. That would be a really good question. Um, the, so let's look at what product marketing managers generally do. It may vary significantly from company to company, but if you look at a common thread, uh, they are deeply involved with things like enabling the sales team, the sales channel. Uh, they're deeply involved with setting go-to-market strategy. They're deeply involved with uh, positioning, a competitive intelligence, win-loss interviewing and analysis. And if that isn't enough to, to demonstrate the value, I don't know what is. Um, the, the real value that comes out of, of the work that product marketing managers do is we sell more stuff more often to more people at a higher price. I want to come at that answer from the other side. I've There's read that 40 time. or 50% of sales time is spent creating their own marketing materials, which if that doesn't make you freak out, it certainly makes me. Um, they're not paid to create presentations and sales tools and collateral. They're paid to close deals. And yet, because many organizations don't have a product marketing manager, we're dumping the load off on sales to do. And imagine, you know, to support Dave's statement, if we had product marketing managers creating these highly actionable tools for the sales team, the sales team could focus their energies on selling. So it's really back to what David said. It's selling more stuff to more people for more money faster. Is that how you put it? Yeah, more often at a higher price. But yeah, you're, you're okay. directionally correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, but to your point, if salespeople aren't getting what they need to be successful in the field, they're going to be spending their time building tools and doing things that keep them from actually doing the selling. And so if you feel, actually, that's resource. a good way of putting it. If you feel that your salespeople today are actually, you know, selling too, too much, too often, mm -hmm. then you can continue squandering their time on product marketing. Mm -hmm. Where does user testing fit into the pragmatic framework? Which box would it fall under? To development. Actually. Well, no, there's so many ways I want to answer this. <laughs> Depending on how you use the phrase, did you say user testing? Yes. User testing could be the other half of market problems. When we talk about market problems, we talk about identifying market problems as well as validating market problems or discovery is balanced by validation. Um, but then you might read that as... UX design or UX design testing, which, you know what, is not on the pragmatic chart because that's a development function. That belongs on the development side of the house that we've articulated in, in the product management side. We've articulated the problems to be solved and the people to solve them for. A designer has come up with a solution that we want to test in the market 
the solution would be tested probably by the UX team rather than by the product management team. So it would not be covered in the framework. Uh, another way of interpreting that question though was as well be there is a box called use scenarios, which specifically drills down on give me some real life scenarios of how the problem evidences itself. And that would be a very appropriate place to say, we're thinking about building a feature that looks like this. Does that address the problem in that particular use scenario? So it fits in either two places or no place, depending on how you interpret the question. Yeah, my simple answer is it's not on the framework. Okay. It's a development activity. As a, as a former recovering uh, software developer, I would place that completely mm -hmm. within the domain of development, much mm -hmm. like we don't have... Um, here's how you sell. Uh, yeah, we don't have people. a box on closing deals. Yeah, right. No. But let, let's run with that for just a second. I think a lot of times people look at the pragmatic chart uh, in a couple of different incorrect ways. One is, what a great process. No, it isn't a process. It's ordered from strategic to execution, but it's not saying first you do this, then you do this, then you do this. It's a framework of the kinds of things we find product managers and product marketing people in. It's also not holistic. It's not a company diagram. It's focused around product, how to define products, how to market products. Um, and it's got connection points like user personas, use scenarios, and requirements connect off to your development method. That's a different department. Not that I want to build walls, but we have, you know, your company has a development methodology. You're doing, you're doing Scrum, you're doing um, Safe, you're doing uh, uh, TDD, you're doing Crystal. Um, that's cool. Here's the handoff that we give to the development team. And then we work with a marketing team. We say, you know what, look, we've got um, buyer personas and we've got a buyer's journey and we've got positioning. Go do the marketing thing that you guys do in marketing. And likewise, we hand sales enablement tools to the sales organization. We're not saying here's a methodology for selling or marketing or developing. It's just a, uh, an approach for or a blueprint for defining and marketing products or building and, and yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like an API to different groups. Yeah. How do you end of life a product? Ah, how do you end of life a product? You asked me that question because I wrote an article on that, right? Yes, I did. All right, so... Uh, First thing is you stop paying commissions. Yeah. <laughs> and it's dead. Yeah. Now well, you go to your launch plan and uncheck everything on it. Yeah, did did she say Steve? That's yeah, why I want she you to did answer not. that. <laughs> she did not, but you, were, you wrote a whole article, and I just felt like, you know, I had a, a, Something you know, a particular... <laughs> flavor of, uh, of nuanced response that um, was was not uh, in your no, bailiwick. Yeah, I gotta find something here. Um, no, you don't. Put your phone Anyway, um, I will add to what Steve said. I mean, there is a, an argument for getting rid of the commission, um, especially if you have a sales team that's still trying to sell the product, and that does happen. But yeah, what will happen is if you if they find you're going to discontinue it, that they will actively go sell it mm -hmm. unless you stop the commission first. Yeah. You, you They're stop like, oh, that. gosh, I haven't sold one of these in years. That was a great product. Let's go sell a bunch of it. But the biggest issue that you have uh, with sunsetting a product is you don't you, you want to get rid of the product for some business reason, but you want to do it in a way that 
doesn't anger the customers mm-hmm. and it also doesn't severely damage your your numbers in any way, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so you either have to decide: am I going to am I going to accept the consequences of withdrawing the product and just deal with what comes may, or do I do this in a planned kind of a scenario? So, for some of us, that means. You know, and, and it happens, right? We go buy three companies, and now we have four competing products under one product category. We need to standardize on one product, put all of our customers on one platform. And so they think that that's a wonderful idea. They're going to save all this money. We'll reduce our support costs and so forth mm-hmm. and development costs until they actually start talking to customers about it. And then customers go, are you out of your freaking mind? I'm happy with this product. It'll cost me a mint to change from this product to another product. So now the best laid plans, right? So now we have a scenario where we're going to have to still maintain four products and, uh, you know, and we've riled up our customer base and and now they're angry at us Mm -hmm. and now they're looking for alternatives. So having the wisdom to know this in advance helps you to plan for that. So what you wind up doing is you saying, okay, where's our lowest risk? Um, will we, ang- you know, will we anger the fewest customers and you could just start chipping away at them rather than trying to do it all at one time. Um, it really depends on how much risk you're willing to take. If you're w- willing to take a lot of risk and you, and you don't care, then go for it. But most companies don't. Well, I think it's honestly, I think it's less about calculating risk and more about the courage of your convictions. You know, we, we had a plan, we acquired these three companies to either get rid of their product so, and put everybody on mm-hmm. our product or to discontinue our product and leverage somebody else's newer technology. And that's fine in the business plan. And then one customer complains or one sales guy complains. And then one executive starts going, well, maybe we shouldn't have done that. And then suddenly our whole plan is set aside because of some friction. And we yeah. need to have the convictions to say, we did this for a purpose. We need to stick to our plan. Uh- Although it's it's like uh, what is it Mike Tyson says um, plans are great until you get punched in the face right um, and the point there is you can have all the convictions in the world but these these kind of, of acquisitions always work on a PowerPoint slide and an Excel spreadsheet sure and then you really find out what the problems are and then you have to go to Plan B fair enough and uh, here's you know, a fun one one of a uh, friend of ours. Uh, was discontinuing a product. He went to the u. He got called to the user group for this product. It was like five hundred companies. Uh, they were violent in their support of this product. And he got up and said, "You know, we're sorry. We're going to discontinue it. We're going to offer you a free license to switch over to the other product." They went insane. He called the president and said, "You know, I, they're they're like they're burning torches here. You know, they're they're really upset." And the president gave him some some words of advice. And so he came back out to the team and uh, to the customer base, and he said. Um, We've decided to continue support for this product indefinitely. And they're like, yay, we won. And he's like, apparently no one knows what indefinitely means. It means that may be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It may be, you know, forever. Well, nice wiggle out. And and another another simple technique to uh, push customers off of your product is to jack up their 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 annual fees. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's a maintenance based, if it's where you make charging a maintenance for a year, um, then just keep jacking it up. So, so the fallback is, hey, if if they're not going to want to get off 
and they still want to use it, I still have to incur a cost. So I might as well at least be whole. Yeah. So I'll charge you more for it. Let's figure out what our cost is, do a 10X on it, and say that's the cost of your maintenance. And every now and then, every, every time, well, during the renewals, they're going to look at it and go, no, wait a minute, why are you spending so much money on this? Well, we have an alternative for you. This, mm-hmm. We have this new one. We'll move you over. So it's a little bit of carrot and a little bit of stick. Join us next week as we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your company, your products, and your career.